I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Christmas special of The Hilo, the weekly current affairs and pop culture podcast brought to you by journalist Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. Hopefully you are winding down for Christmas. Maybe you've had your own Christmas special. Dolly, define a Christmas special for us. The Christmas special is a, could be a fling, could be a singular shag. Oh, do you mean my Christmas special yeah. I refer to? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's getting so your leg over, like isn't it? the Dolly Urban Dictionary. When my friends and I... <laughs> Was single the Durban Dictionary and wild we realised that quite often the week or a couple of weeks before December you'd um, meet someone at a party and end up having this sort of fun wild pre-Christmas special normally never to see them again in January and so, you, have, you haven't had one this December no I haven't had one and also even in that jumper no haven't had one um haven't had so much as a Christmas snog and I haven't been partying that much and I've still ended up with Christmas lurgy every single year. What I love about Christmas is that everything can just be prefixed with Christmas. Like you haven't ended up with lurgy, you've ended up with a Christmas lurgy. (laughs) So last year's uh, Christmas special of the Pandoli podcast. But haven't we changed so much since then? Extraordinary, wasn't it? I'll never get over the pangolin. Oh my God. Yeah, last year's Christmas special, Pandora brought in a surprise guest who turned out to be her husband, who I'm friends with, Ollie. Yeah, I put a lot of work into that. And then I brought, my surprise guest was Francis Bull from Made in Chelsea. And it and then he arrived and we were already pretty hooned. So it became this quite strange dynamic. Well, it was all about his charity work with the pangolins, but I mean... <laughs> it was very nice to come, but it was pretty... As a, pretty as a pangolin platform, it was probably a um, not like the best partnership. But, um, you know, it was an interesting one. Anyway, this year we're both sober. Older, wiser. Wiser. Definitely wiser. Tireder. As as you'll see later, that's me teasing the high-low nativity script that's coming. So, and and in preparation, in fact, Charlie is wearing a Christmas jerkin. (laughs) I love the word jerkin. Me too. Is that a jerkin? uh, No, I think a jerkin is sort of a gilet. Right. No, it's a jacket. He looks so sweet in it. We should take a picture of his wife. (laughs) And um, you are wearing an oversized reindeer jumper. And a a Santa hat. And a Santa hat. Do you like mine? Yours is so good, and so it's exactly the jumper that you've been looking for. Because everyone let me down. Where did you find it? Um, I found it in the sale. I mean, I can't think why. On H&M, there was a large left, but the best is feel the trim. Oh, the trim is very fleecy. And then I, I, did, I did quite want to have the hood up. There's a hood, which is a, a touch Ku Klux Klanny. But, um, it's Father Christmas, Dolly. Sorry, no, it is, it is, it is Father Christmassy. But the best bit is it has the aforementioned belt. I know, but as it's a cropped for. Father Christmas hoodie, it's quite something, a cropped Father Christmas hoodie. I don't know if the belt, the belt more, I mean, you know. It really work works it. with your stomach, I have to say. <laughs> I'm so glad. It really like works it. with the eight months pregnant stomach. That's that's the, the jewel. Like the everything crown. does. <laughs> um, 
So no top line this week because we've got some other exciting segments for you. Dolly we have been indeed. beavering away on all sorts of Christmas activities. Still some interesting things happening this week to mention. At the time of recording, hence why we aren't there, there is a call to end period poverty taking place in London. The brainchild of 18-year-old Amica George, along with Scarlett Curtis and Grace Campbell of the Pink Protest, the free period protest saw people clad in red march along Richmond Terrace in Westminster between the hours of 5 and 8pm with calls to Theresa May to make free sanitary towels available to every girl who is also receiving free school meals. This statutory pledge would help ameliorate the debilitating mental and physical effects of not being able to afford sanitary care. The idea, of course, being that if you can't afford... A sandwich for your lunch you know you can't necessarily afford a packet of always mm. period poverty is a global problem which is something that seems to have only been recognized in the last year it affects girls in the uk a first world country as much as it does those in africa and other third world continents and countries the hilo is really excited to be partnering with the bloody good period on a charitable project that launches early next year so stay tuned can we also talk about Prince William and the Duchess of Cambridge's Christmas card, which has been released this week? What do you think, Dolly? George's socks really bother the me. The socks have really got under your skin, haven't they? I just find it very odd. I'm a woman of symmetry, and there is one pulled up quite high, and the other almost baggy. I it have almost to... looks like it's lost its elastic, Dolly. It's just not very royal. I have to say, it's um, the children could, lo- could not look more coerced if they tried. They look quite happy, don't they? I think a smiley it, little thing. I think girl. it looks like they've Charlotte. tried to cement them in place to stop them from running around. I wonder when it was shot because she looks distinctly non-preg. Yeah. There's, he's so cute, George, isn't he? They are, they're, good, they're good in camera, aren't they? Yeah. Thank God. Can you imagine know, if they were ugly little devils? They, it must be so hard, though, because I once saw some footage of um, Kate trying to uh, control... George, who was sort of having a tantrum. Yeah, but it must be. It's, I mean, it's embarrassing enough for parents at the best of times, but imagine when you have the world's press there, and for some reason, people thinking that there should be a certain prestige of behaviour and etiquette, even with toddlers, royal toddlers. It must be. She must be nervous every time she leaves the house with him. If you think about it, they don't do that much on show. I know it seems like they do quite a lot, but I feel like you only see her out and about publicly probably once every six weeks and you probably only see the children once every Yeah, I think they're being cautious to keep the kids away from those kind of engagements. So you'd hope that actually they do have a sort of whole life away from it. It's funny though, seeing her in a skirt suit. She looks gorgeous because she is gorgeous, but how many women wear a skirt suit? Especially in their Christmas card. It's so funny, I I want to see you in a Christmas jumper. (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. Meghan Markle might be the uh, Christmas jumper. Oh, I can totally imagine. She can inject a Christmas jumper into the royal family. Yeah, I have a theory about Kate Middleton with her fashion. I think. Do you remember when she got married? She wore a second wedding dress that was kind of um, strapless satin with a diamante belt and a kind of feathery. No, they just took off. They took off the top bit. I think of the dress. Same dress. I think that that's what she would have worn if she hadn't been a royal. And I think she'd be a woman who loved a bolero. Yeah, yeah. Or as my mother th- says, a bolero. Bolero. I think she's um, definitely got a touch of the Sloan Ranger about her. But I think that she wears a uniform that she wouldn't be wearing if it were her. Of course. Just I mean, I was her. talking to someone the other day who was surprised that Kate and William hadn't named their own children. You know, 
they well there's a whole um there's a whole sort of like guiding body on what they should what they should have called George and Charlotte. They look really? at all the previous royal names when they were last used, the context of those, the kind of political situation around them. Yeah, that it's everything's very oh, it's so tactical. Yeah, well you just don't have that freedom. In the same way that they wouldn't have the freedom to send their um, children to any school they felt like. You think they do, but there's advisors on Speaking everything. Speaking of which, have you been watching The Crown? No. God, I, I need I, to I nailed my, all of my friend two. does the set design on it and she's amazing and I'm so proud of her. It's just my thing with period dramas. I just don't watch any period dramas. I know I need to. I know. I need to watch more of your telly and you could watch more of mine, which would be hilarious because I'm watching something <laughs> called The Client List with Jennifer Love Hewitt about a prostitute oh, in no. uh, Dallas. No. Uh, <laughs> you stay in your camp, I'll stay in mine, I think. <laughs> Happy news via the BBC who have announced that they will increase its primetime coverage of non-Christian festivals such as Eid, Passover and Diwali. I know we're sitting here in our Christmas jumpers, but I think that feels like a long overdue, really positive message for the BBC to send out. I'm sure they've been covering it, but probably on channel 697 rather than channel 3 or 4. And apart from anything else, the education. I don't know much about Eid. No, me neither. Me neither. Um, So I think that's a really good move. And then sad... Christian shouldn't be the default now, particularly in this country. No, and it it really is. It really is. Yeah doing a Christmas special in our Christmas jumpers but acknowledging this <laughs> constantly referencing this <laughs> and sad news because you couldn't even finish this story about the Canadian couple who have been married for 73 years and are to be separated into different care homes two days before Christmas I couldn't you sent it to me and I couldn't read it separating the elderly is a really weird thing that everyone knows quite literally kills off people of advanced age yeah. and they still do it Yeah, I don't understand it's like an admin error and I also think it's it's like of all the things that the very elderly have at that point in their they life. They have each other. It's like the only thing that, that's precious and that matters and surely that's the thing that should take precedent. I would hope that after the coverage of it, they might be able to find a care home that could take them both or mm. maybe, they'll, maybe there'll be donations so that they could be put in alternative housing. Really sad for their children, I think. A few recommendations from me for the week. I've been reading two books at the moment, courtesy of two brilliant recommendations. Brain on Fire by New York Post journalist Susanna Callahan, which was recommended to me by both of my sisters. Susanna was 24 when she went mad, quote unquote. She had an autoimmune disease which attacks the brain. And her book Brain on Fire details her descent into madness and her month spent in a mental institution. She wrote the book after an award-winning piece of journalism published in 2009 in the New York Post called My Month of Madness. So you can diagnose this disease with a simple blood test. It's just that no one knew to. She has hugely raised awareness. Her parents kept taking her to the doctor as her behaviour became irrational and paranoid. People at the New York Post were starting to worry about her. Mm. She suffered from seizures and the doctors were just saying, well, she works too hard and she parties too hard. So it's, it's a really readable gripping book I was I found myself tense the whole way through because I knew what was coming I you know from the back that she says I spent a month in a mental institution and Mm. I'm lucky I'm I'm not in an asylum for life so you know when she says felt like I was bitten by bed bugs but don't think I have bed bugs or felt really angry and jealous today about my boyfriend having never been a possessive person and and you know that all this behavior is coming but it's absolutely brilliant I think you'd really enjoy it yeah, um, as well, Donnie, I'll give it to you afterwards. And the other book I'm loving, which was recommended to me by a Hilo listener, is Nobody Told Me, Poetry and Diary Entries by Holly McNish. The poems are just lovely. They really encapsulate a lot about how you feel as a pregnant woman in this beautifully succinct way. 
She also writes about her experience as a young mother of a toddler. The book goes up until her baby is three years old. One of the first poems in the book is called Sunrise Sickness, and it is a fairly graphic description of morning sickness. But I just thought it was really beautifully lyrical and, as I said, just very succinct. Bright yellow sick in the sink every morning, bright yellow sick and I'm constantly yawning. Like the gold at the end of the rainbow you're calling, and I'm sick and I'm crying as the birds call the dawn in. And she writes like that about everything and it's really accessible poetry not the poetry should necessarily be accessible but I find poetry more meaningful when um it is slightly less abstract yeah and also I think the reason why this is so beautiful is it's so miraculous and it's so creative and beautiful as an act you know being pregnant and giving birth or, or even not doing that but becoming a mother and um it really lends itself to this kind of lyricism and pause for thought and kind of ode, which you just don't normally get because with pregnancy, it's always framed in the media as this kind of scaremongering of getting pregnant and panic or or a way of kind of oppressing women about, are they doing pregnancy right? Are they, you know, does their body look right? Are they doing it in the correct way? So it's wonderful that it can be explored through this kind of also, gentler it's, medium. It's nice to read something as well that I hadn't read. You know, people go, oh, "Have you read this pregnancy book? Have you read this pregnancy book?" And I'm kind of a bit like, "I've I've read everything before, and I sort of I don't know everything." Obviously, when the child comes along, I don't have a fucking clue. But in terms of pregnancy, there's not that much that can kind of rivet and grip me right mm. now. So it's it was um, a brilliant recommendation. Thank you. I love our listeners and my sisters. Support for the Hilo comes from Google Pixel Two. Google has been built on asking questions and challenging the status quo. From search to email to maps and beyond, it has a history of challenging the norm and finding a better way. Each week, we're going to do a curiosity challenge in which Pandora or I pose a question to each other, encompassing the Hilo's ethos of covering all things from the philosophical to the personal to the surreal. So, Pandora, my seasonal and festive question to you this week is if you could only unwrap one thing under the tree this year, what would it be? And don't go sentimental and Mariah Carey on me. I want cold, hard, capitalist answers. What is in if I could uncover world peace? Yeah, well, I was going to say you. I thought you might say. What, you? Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking I'd quite like to uncover my baby under the tree because then that would mean <laughs> that I wouldn't have to deliver her. What would I like to uncover under the tree? Do you know what? I always thought I'd never be one of these basic bitches, but I'd really like to uncover like a fuck off piece of jewellery. Really? I was walking past, maybe it's because I can't wear many clothes right now, but I was walking past like the De Beers window or something like that. Literally never thought that in my life. I went past the most enormous diamond necklace and I thought, that would be nice. You've gone Liz Taylor. I've gone sort of suburban. Yeah, good luck, Ollie. <laughs> I won't be unwrapping that. I'd like a Chloe Faye bag, incidentally, or a Dyson Hoover. You wanted one of... I had no idea about the Hoover, but you've wanted a Chloe Faye bag for ages, and I told you that you could buy one if you stopped buying so much bloody juice. I'd also quite like to uncover a Google Pixel 2 under my tree. Do you know why? It has a really good camera. The Google Pixel 2 is the world's best smartphone camera. It gives you your best photos ever. Capture every moment, even in the low light, so that starry nights look as good as sunny days. Happy Christmas and thank you to the Google Pixel 2. It's now time for Dolly's Nativity. Now, you listeners know about as much about Dolly's Nativity 
It's Charlie and I know. I wouldn't let them read it until curtain up. Have I now got it in my inbox? I've sent it. it to you. There's a fourth... Well, I've been brainstorming the narrative structure of it for quite a while. <laughs> There's a fourth character in this and we don't have enough actors, so I've, I've done it so I can play the fourth character and you're going to read the stage directions. Okay. Interior. Soho House, Bethlehem. Bethlehem, suburbs, night. Two wise women, Pandoria and Dolior, sit eating 26-pound lobster rolls and chips with one wise man, Chazper, who eats similarly overpriced mac and cheese. I wish I hadn't had to freeze my membership to this place after I was pissed on in a hotel room at Soho House, Nazareth. I know. If only they'd given us a nice complimentary weekend away. I'm sure you could have found a way to forgive them. So what have you brought him, then? The Son of God? Yes. I don't want to say, because I don't want you to copy my idea. Don't worry, I already have my gift planned. Okay, well, it's some top-of-the-range myrrh. Add a touch of biblical elegance to your home with a spritz of myrrh. Myrrh is as long-lasting as room fragrances come. Just one spray in the morning will leave your home feeling as warm and welcome as a Jerusalem summer and as luxurious as the bejeweled crown on King Herod's head. Thank you very much to myrrh. (laughs) Isn't myrrh our new podcast sponsor? Yeah, so? So I have it on good authority that Joseph, the son of God's adoptive dad, is a carpenter who likes to listen to your podcast while he's in the woodwork shop. Surely not. We don't have any male listeners. Well, he certainly is. Well, tell him to leave us a good iTunes review, then. Chasper gets the attention of one of the waiters. Excuse me, may I have another Negroni? Thanks. (laughs) Wise King Chasper, that's your third of the day. Yes, we've got a fair way to go, I think, so that's just one for the road. Dolior, what have you taken as a present for the Son of God? I have taken some frankincense. Capture the ancient allure of the past with eau de frankincense. Its unique smell evokes a sense of treasure from times gone by, making the everyday feel precious. Do you have a loved one who's stressed and overworked? Why not treat them to frankincense oil to wind down after a long day of shepherding or woodworking? Well, you're as screwed as I am because he'll know that's our sponsor too. That doesn't matter. All we did was use the listener discount Wise Man at the checkout. It's not like we blagged them for free. What have you bought him, Chasper? An award-winning marrow and a Maris Piper potato of a record-breaking weight. Is this from your gardening podcast that you produce when you're not producing ours? It's actually an agricultural podcast, which you would know if you ever bothered to ask, and I think you'll find it was featured in The Guardian's favourite podcast roundup. Oh, we were in that roundup as well. Were you? Yes, you might have missed it. It was a pull-out leaflet at the very back of the paper in the podcasts we sort of like but also sort of don't like because we think they're slightly silly ladies with posh voices section. Congratulations. Thank you. What are we going to do about our presents? I'm not sure. How about some vouchers somewhere nice? Too impersonal for the Son of God, I think. You should pre-order him your new book, Everything I Know About Love. A spot-on, wildly funny and sometimes heartbreaking book about growing up, growing older and navigating all kinds of love along the way. Published by Fig Tree Penguin and out February the 1st. That's nice of you to suggest it, but sadly I'm not into self-promotion. I find it very embarrassing. That's fair enough and I admire you for that. Thank you, Pandoria. But we still don't know what we're going to get the Son of God. What's that bright light coming from the terrace smoking area? It's blinding. The angel Tina Brown appears in a halo of bright light. Do not be afraid. I am the angel Tina Brown, iconic magazine editor, and I bring you tidings of great joy. Aren't you meant to be bringing tidings of great joy to the three shepherds right about now? I think that's a small detail we shouldn't dwell on as perhaps the writer of the script was told she had to finish it in about ten minutes and she couldn't remember which narrative strand belonged to which section of the nativity. Fair enough. 
I am here to tell you a child has been born in a stable in Bethlehem, and there is nothing he would like more than my recently published memoir, The Vanity Fair Diaries. That's a brilliant idea. He's got a tough road ahead of him, and a lot of navigating the patriarchy and power, old institutions, oppression, public speaking, connecting to the masses, etc. I think he'd really benefit from hearing your story of how you turned a failing magazine into a media juggernaut bringing in multi-millions of advertising sales against all the odds. That's settled then. Wow, Tina, you really are an angel. (laughs) May we take a lock of your hair to frame and hang in our studio? No, I appreciate your respect and admiration, but don't touch me. Fair enough. Goodbye and good luck. I think you follow the star to get there. Is it the star or am I the star? My nativity knowledge is a little rusty. I think Google Maps might be easier. Tina Brown disappears into the smoking area terrace. Just thinking on my toes here. If we're heading to this stable and there's a big crowd there anyway, might it be an idea to do a live podcast record? Won't that slightly be stealing his thunder? No, I think it's fine, Pandoria. You've got to take your chances when they appear. It's what the angel Tina Brown would do. And Chasper has his recording equipment anyway. I certainly do. Now down your Negroni and let's saddle up the donkey. Good idea, Pandoria. Thank you, Dolior. I like your wise man beard. Thank you. I couldn't find my tweezers. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Dolly, that's... If my agent is listening, yes, I will consider adapting it to screen. (laughs) What I like the most is that no one could accuse you of not being transparent about the machinations of the earning potential (laughs) or the earning opportunities of this podcast. (laughs) Oh, my God, that made me laugh. Thank you. I couldn't find my tweezers. It's very true, actually. I haven't managed to find them in the move. There's been several casualties. Oh, it drives me mad. Christmas right. presents is one. Lost both my sister's Christmas presents. It's so bad, though, when you when you find one on your chin that's particularly coarse and you can't find the tweezers. Another um, loss that didn't make the move is my amazing spot cream. If you're looking for a really good spot cream, it's called Mario Badescu. Ooh. And it's this pink, comes in a tiny bottle and it's pink, and it's the only thing that I've ever found that works. And it's spilt in the move. And now I have oh, no. two humdingers <laughs> arriving for the birth of Christ. <laughs> And there's not a jotty I can do about it. Oh, how annoying. Thank you so much for that nativity, Dolly. That has cheered me right up on a slightly stressed festive day. (laughs) A senior bishop has called for online shopping on Christmas Day to be banned. Senior bishops probably call for lots of things, but this ambition by Stephen Cottrell, the Bishop of Cambridge, has received a lot of attention after Amazon, John Lewis and Debenhams all announced that they intended to start their Christmas sales on Christmas Day itself. To be fair to the bishop, there is a very well-known psalm about what happens when ye shop in the Netaporter sale. Ye shop. Jesus, quite literally. Initially, I thought, quite right, of course. Who on earth would be shopping on Christmas Day? What Heathens, weren't they sitting around the hearth playing familial board games and eating Quality Street? And then I thought, oh God, I've definitely sat on a beanbag in front of the TV at 5pm on Christmas Day and savouring the fact that I have nothing to do and nowhere to go, popped online for some time-expansive online shopping. So I am implicit in this wanton, festive, consumerist culture. And I am that person that bemoans all the shops that are shut on a Sunday in Paris. I love the ease of online shopping and, in fact, literal shopping. It's one reason why I don't think I will ever move out of London. And truly, yes, I am that shallow. Well, I've been guilty of a scroll on the ASOS website come Boxing Day while chowing down the aforementioned Quality Street and on the fourth hour of Gone with the Wind being shown on ITV2. A part of me thinks that that's kind of depressing, especially when Christmas and that week of rest is always seen as a time, well, it should be seen as a time to press pause and properly take a moment and 
And all we do for every other week of the year is work like a dog until we're exhausted and spend money on things we think will make us happy that we don't actually need. There's that Bill Bryson quote that I often think of where he commented on Western life and he said all we do is make money and spend it. So I do see where Mr Bishop is coming from on that front. Mr Bishop, Stephen Cottrell. I'm quite obsessed with bishops, aren't I? I know. It does make you wonder if we're so programmed into capitalism now that we can't even take one week's break of being the kind of cogs in that consumerist machine. But another part of me thinks the screen time sale shopping stuff might just be a form of momentary solitude because you're spending so much intense time of basically doing nothing with your family. And I wonder if before online shopping it would have been something of a similar ilk like flipping through magazines or catalogues or playing on your Game Boy or whatever. Oh my god the Argos catalogue years spent circling Mm. things in that. You're probably right because people don't really read magazines anymore as we hear all the time Mm. which is joyful as a journalist writing for magazines Um, (laughs) and that's probably what they're doing instead. It is a logical next step in the world of online shopping By its very nature, online shopping was founded upon and championed for its ultimate ease. So why wouldn't retailers take advantage of the fact that so many people are at home with their laptops in tangible distance? That said, you mentioned Boxing Day, a fixture of which is slumped over computers and TVs in many households. Not Christmas Day itself, and that is, I suppose, the last remaining precious day. Although, again, referencing the BBC point of earlier, we do have to remember that a lot of people do not celebrate Christmas. It isn't a travesty for them to shop on Christmas Day. They may relish the opportunity to shop online on that day. Yeah. I am quite surprised that John Lewis have jumped on the Christmas Day boat. Not surprised about Amazon, however, at all. Speaking of Amazon, you know Australia only got Amazon last week. How can that last be Last week. Where did they get their books from? Their draining boards, their defluffer gadgets, their doorknobs, their Christmas presents, yeah, their cat the, bowls. It's the gadgets that that it would kill me if I didn't have Well, I could go on. I mean, that was just this week's list of purchases. (laughs) Speaking of, guess how many Amazon deliveries my mum got last month. I made her count after finding her peering over her bifocals at her desktop for the millionth time in one weekend. How many? 88. She got 88 deliveries in one month. How? She thought that was quite modest. What was she buying? I think at least 60 of them were Skechers trainers. Loves (laughs) a Skecher trainer, that woman. Why, Why did she buy them on Amazon? Why is she wearing sketches full stop? Sturdy. <laughs> Comfy. Anyway, I do understand what the bishop is getting at. On the whole, more people will be online shopping than attending mass thing. Well, yes, sods, that's true. But more people will be doing a lot of things rather than attending mass. Uh, Only 2.5 million people attend mass on Christmas Day in the UK. But on the whole, we have to halt this 24-7 culture where everything's available at all times. I do see that, Mr Bishop. It's relentless, isn't it? We can't wait for anything anymore. It's like in restaurants... I consistently am interested by how furious both myself and my dining partners are if food takes longer than 15 minutes to arrive. Don't you remember it used to take 45 minutes? That was the that was sort of the golden standard in a good restaurant. That's why I hated going out for dinner when I was a kid because I'd be like, we're going to be here for three hours. Yeah. You expected to wait an hour for your food. And now, for goodness sake, we have drones delivering parcels in 90 minutes or whatever it is. Have you ever had anything delivered in 90 minutes? I've actually paid £15 before for something to be delivered from matches within 90 minutes when I was feeling sad and it didn't fit. So I have not repeated that exercise since. God, that's such a good idea for an outfit for a party. (laughs) I might do that tomorrow, actually. And I did notice yesterday that matches have a very good sale on. Anyway, back on topic. (laughs) A sentence I never thought I'd be saying on the high-low, but yes, I can see where the bishop is coming from. I do think it's sad and I do think we're more driven by the acquisition of stuff than we were in the past when people were more 
connected to each other, not religion, but maybe communities perhaps. But I think those people were probably still driven by the accumulation of stuff too. I'm sure there were girls in the pews sort of coveting (laughs) each other's, I don't know, painted sandals and frilly blouses. I don't know what era I'm actually referring to. I don't know what I think about this. I agree with the bishop in principle, but I also think, as you said, this won't apply to a lot of people as a lot of people don't celebrate Christmas. Also, the older I get, the more I think, just let people do what they want. If people want to go square-eyed, spending money on a load of toot they don't need, then just let them. I have to say, Black Friday and Cyber Monday bum me out more than when the Christmas Day sales start. Online, yeah, because seeing, there's something, yeah. seeing the like carnage yeah. of grown men kind of hitting each other with refrigerators as they like run out of a of a shop. Yeah, Do there's you, something more apocalyptic about that that it just, is it just puts dystopian. Me on edge. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the name. It's the nomenclature: Black Friday, I know. Cyber Monday. Yeah. Do you think online shopping takes away from family time? Because I think it depends on what you define family time as. For better or for worse, screen time is now a part of modern family time whether on Christmas day or any other day and don't ask me if I will let my daughter use an iPad I shall just refer you to a photograph my brother has of my niece when she was two years old with her thumb in her mouth trying to swipe a picture of an iPad in a magazine oh my god that's hilarious yeah maybe if you want to do online shopping on Christmas day do it at a moment where everyone's staring silently at the screen anyway so during EastEnders or Strictly Christmas Special which causes a great divide in my house on Christmas Day. I think it would be really, really sad if you stepped away from your roast lunch went to the bog to order some socks online. Anyone listening to the high-low, put your phone on airplane, enjoy your Christmas lunch do your shopping when there's something crap on TV. Yeah, good idea. Don't take away from the turkey. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Support for the Hilo comes from stationery brand Papier. Papier is known for its gorgeous and customizable stationery, whether that be a notepad, a diary, sketchbook, or note cards, at super affordable prices. Papier stationery is an ideal gift for Christmas, or given that you are listening to this with just days to go, the perfect present to buy yourself to write all your thank you letters. Or, if your resolution for 2018 is, like Rachel Green, to catch up with your correspondence, then they're ideal for that too. God, that's a good episode. Do you remember that green dress she wears with the slip Yeah, I'm not going to go. <laughs> well, I'm not going, so I'm not going to go. I'm going to catch up with my correspondence. <laughs> you can choose from dozens of designs, from British designers such as Mother of Pearl and print whiz kid Luke Edward Hall, to iconic brands like the V&A. Note cards start at £1.9p. I have red trimmed ones. Pandora has navy blue. Sketchbooks are eight ninety nine, whilst lined notebooks are twelve ninety nine. We highly recommend getting your name on everything and anything because then everyone knows it's yours. Don't forget to use your exclusive discount code HILO H I G H L O W all in capitals to get fifteen percent off. Thank you very much and happy New Year to Papier. 
There's some good news in the world of online protection and social media marshalling. Twitter has decided to suspend the accounts of both the leader, Paul Golding, and deputy leader, Jada Franzen, on far-right ultra-nationalist group Britain First. You might already know of mother of four Jada Franzen as she shared anti-Muslim videos which were controversially and moronically retweeted by President Trump last month. Britain First makes Farage look like Corbyn. Mm. Some members of the party could more accurately be described as neo-Nazis. The suspensions come under Twitter's new rulings to combat hate speech. Jack Dorsey, who created Twitter, has been criticised in the past for not taking enough action when it comes to abuse and harassment and hate speech online. He personally responded to tweets about Leslie Jones, who you may remember quit Twitter after a racist onslaught online started by the ridiculous Milo Yiannopoulos. Where is he now? Simon and Schuster canned his book. He's banned from Twitter. There's been a sort of silence, isn't there? Thank God. Mm, Twitter mm. officials have said they hope the new regulations will reduce the amount of abusive behaviour and hateful conduct on the platform. If an account's profile information includes a violent threat or multiple slurs, epithets, racist or sexual tropes, incites fear or reduces someone to less than human, it will be permanently suspended. I'm interested if everyone will understand an epithet and a trope. <laughs> That's slight, with slightly more clarity. What do you think of this, Dolly? Well, I think it's long overdue, but sadly, I think it probably won't be enough to really stamp out this sort of targeted abuse online. But obviously, it's a step in the right direction. Not only is it so important that those communities and individuals are protected, but also I think in a world of fake news and clickbait and scaremongering and sort of Orwellian propaganda, a world where the leader of the free world runs his campaign and sort of runs his presidency on the realm of Twitter, the need to police hateful and abusive material that masquerades as news or fact is more crucial than ever. It's such a complex matter because whilst I find that hackneyed cliche parroted by bigots mostly of, but what about our free speech, which they use as you know, a bolster to perpetuate racist or prejudiced views, there is a part of me that is just so sad and disappointed that as humanity we are unable to proceed uncensored and we only have ourselves to blame for this and I mean that collectively I don't mean that we're all a Jada or a Paul but as a summary what makes the whole thing so complicated as well is that whilst a troll is a troll whether a preteen girl or an old man and we can call them out accordingly when they write bitch slut or whore or something obviously slanderous like that a bigot is is much more complicated and people don't always agree what a bigot is and mm. it can be someone in a position of power a bigot is Kofifi Trump for God's sake do you call it Kofifi I call it Kofefe I don't think there's been an established <laughs> pronunciation of this non-existent word well either way can we call him Kofefe Trump for henceforth let's just call him Kofefe Kofefe the reason why it's been so hard for Twitter to seek a mandate is that it isn't just uneducated civilians or the hoi polloi. It's educated individuals of either high net worth or civic public power. And I'm actually not surprised that Twitter has failed so spectacularly thus far in protecting people, notably Leslie Jones or Diane Abbott, because it's this ungovernable morass a troll is not just a troll and a bigot is not just a bigot. And in the case of Britain First, while taking away their social media renders them partially powerless online, it only really enforces this message of them as radical disruptors or whatever crap you want to apply to their extreme political message. Yeah. And it gives rise to that dreaded free speech is dead argument that I mentioned earlier. And I'm already dreading the Sarah Vine piece where she yeah. writes you know, something really misinformed about how we all just need to grow harder shells. I think the problem is, as we know... 
is that the specific sort of abuse that we're referring to in this specific case is so dangerous because it taps into something which is more widespread than we like to think it is and that's Islamophobia. It's not comfortable to acknowledge it but that's the truth and that makes this specific type of hatred incredibly dangerous because it's actually more than just targeted abuse as an individual. It's a lie that hooks into something that in a lot of Western consciousness is very provocable. I think whilst Islamophobia is something we talk about a lot more and seems a lot more prevalent in society this is a message as old as time. It is the threat to these people or the perceived threat of anything that isn't white and Christian. It's always about race and religion. The nomenclature of this new Twitter policy made me feel quite hopeful as it allows for nuance, which is something that has historically been really hard to apply online. Twitter writes, we've implemented new signals in our review process to give us context around relationships in reported tweets. I feel like we're in the dawn of a new age of social media. Essentially, it was celebrated for being off the cuff and now it's just too dangerous. What was once candid has become offensive. It's a minefield which the less centrist seem to find impossible to navigate and actually even some of the centrist as well. Look at John Ronson's entire book on internet-led public shaming. What do you think about the free speech argument? My opinion on this alters from case to case. On the whole, I'm very much of the school of thought of don't censor people. Their stupidity and ignorance will manifest so clearly. We don't need to censor them. The truth is more powerful and telling and that people are more equipped than they think they are for hearing it. But the man with the most power and influence on the whole planet just endorse that sort of stupidity. I would love to believe we're in a world where we're all so well-informed and compassionate and level-headed and empathetic that speech can be as free as possible and our opinions and actions wouldn't be affected by a minority of bigotry, but I just don't know if that's the case. It's sad that we can't trust people to use social media candidly without being offensive, though trickier when a party's entire message is founded upon offence, as arguably Britain firsts is. But maybe it's safest for everyone that we have these really strict rules around it. There's a reason why you talk to your friends and loved ones about controversial topics. There's a reason why people used to never tell one another who they voted for. It wouldn't really work now, unless you're Taylor Swift, because we live in woke times where a vital part of activism is speaking out for what you believe in and bolstering those who need your support. Mm. But it does make me wonder if we tried something new, being open, being honest, being candid, and if as humans, we failed. What are your thoughts on this subject? We'd love to hear. Please email us, thehiloshow at gmail.com or tweet us at thehiloshow. We will not be checking that email on Christmas Day. time for Ask the Hilo. Dolly, do you want to kick us off? I would. I've got two Christmas-themed questions for us today. (laughs) Dear Dolly and Pandora, Christmas in London is in full bloom. There aren't many places you can go without the glint of a fairy light or the continuous loop of Christmas songs. Don't get me wrong, I love Christmas. I love finding gifts for my friends. I love spending time with my family and I love the food. Ovs, you and me both, sister. However, this year, more than any, it came to my attention that Christmas is particularly unfeminist. It's almost like we as women have been transported back to the 1950s. All of a sudden, the woman's role is back in the kitchen, icing cookies and wrapping all the presents, while the man sources the Christmas tree with his bare hands and offers to carve the turkey. How heroic. I'm starting to notice it in Christmas films and songs. Why is it always about love and finding someone at Christmas? Even in films with strongish, complex women like The Holiday, both women's stories are centred around finding love and someone to kiss under the mistletoe. Sigh. 
I'm sure these are all things you're both aware of, but I was just wondering how you would advise maintaining your feminist beliefs and still embracing Christmas. I have such fond memories of Christmas as a young girl, but I can't help but think the messages and gender roles being represented are dangerous for feminism. Dear Anonymous, chill the fuck out. I really do think chill the fuck out. And you know, I'm like always up for getting angry about this stuff. (laughs) Man-hating as our listeners sometimes call it. I this isn't I, don't blame there Christmas. There are much bigger. This is what I think a lot of the time where people say, but isn't it just really unfeminist? There are much bigger battles to fight than Christmas. May I direct you to period poverty and FGM and go on the march today. There we go. Go on the go on. The, oh, <laughs> it's now in the past. Um, no, I don't find Christmas particularly unfeminist. Actually, I think you're perhaps being a bit cliched if you say that the man always sources the turkey. My mum buys the turkey. Me and my husband always buy a tree together. My husband is much better at wrapping presents than I am, so he does that. I Did don't... he wrap my present? No, I wrapped your present. It was very nice. He was out. He was out last night at a, at a Christmas dinner. <laughs> I also don't think that's true about the holiday. Yes, Kate Winslet is heartbroken, but Cameron Diaz is trying to escape love. She is really not into it. She gets drunk and shags Jude Law. He's the heartbroken one because his wife dies. Maybe you're unhappy because you're watching films like The Holiday. Dolly, don't diss The Holiday. <laughs> I won't have it. I absolutely God. I need to go and watch it actually. And I, I don't think necessarily women are back in the kitchen icing cookies. I. I don't think I've had an iced cookie at Christmas. Sorry, Anonymous. I am completely and utterly in disagreement with you. Yeah, I thought it was really important to read this What, this email. infuriating question up? Yeah, I do, because I think I've definitely been guilty of... Well, look, you're allowed to feel upset or indignant about whatever you want. We're, we're, I hope you're not parroting this to too many people trying to enjoy it. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, I'm not saying we're right and you're wrong. If you feel something, then that's true. But Well. <laughs> but I do think, I think the reason I felt like we need to talk about this is I I think I have been that woman slightly who's directing her anger at the wrong things listen my darling the whole thing about women being given more kind of a domestic load and women being told that their story can only ever end in romantic union that ain't Christmas that's a societal problem that's that's the, that's the patriarchy yeah like that's the that's the world that we live in so don't blame Christmas Christmas hasn't done anything to you put on a nice cropped jumper yeah Crack open the mince pies, make yourself a snowball, and chill out, babe. What's in a snowball? Really delicious. Add for car. Oh, God, how disgusting. You're tasting alcohol. Can't wait to take you out for cocktails once you've had that bloody baby. (laughs) Dear Dolly and Pandora, I'm writing this as I wait for the doors to open to my internship, which I'm juggling along with full time retail work and the third year of my degree. Safe to say it's taking its toll. This is the first year I'll be spending Christmas alone in London after the ending of my long-distance relationship, which in hindsight I was far too reliant on. I wanted to ask if either of you have been in the same situation and what you would do to recommend surviving the season of cheer when feeling quite the opposite. I'm so glad you included this um, question because whilst it is such an anathema to me because I come from a big family and I'm very lucky we always spend Christmas together, it's important not to forget that for a lot of people Christmas Christmas is the worst time of year. I always think that if someone loses a loved one in in Christmas, that time is indelibly tainted by grief. You know, that's the day that you lost someone rather Mm. than the day you ate quality street. Or or even when you haven't lost someone in that month as you said referring to your long term relationship you've just ended you've lost something Christmas is a time where you reflect on the people that aren't here but first of all 
well done you for ending a relationship that seemed like it was unhealthy and it's so much better to be on your own. I know it's a cliche than to be with the wrong person when you're feeling lonely. The best advice that I have for you, the first thing I thought of when I read this is why don't you go volunteer? Why don't you go down to Crisis at Christmas? They're always looking for volunteers on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Distract from your pain by helping exactly. a greater collective or, pain. Or go down, we read in the top line the other day, go down to Euston Station, which is becoming a kind of day of festive cheer for the homeless. And I'm sure they'd be looking for volunteers. And I think you'll meet some other really lovely, like-minded people. You'll feel so good about yourself. You'll feel connected. You know, it'd be great to meet some other people. I think when you're feeling lonely, obviously the best thing you can do is connect with others also don't have any um pride in this situation is there a friend you can say can i come and join your family for christmas lunch i'm always very hesitant to believe that there is not one person someone has who would take them in it's just that you don't want to ask no Mm. one wants to say can i be a burden on the turkey um and also i'm not sure where you live but i know for a fact because i know someone who's doing it this christmas who sadly is on her own Often local community centres will do a lunch for people in the area who don't have people that day and you spend, you know, 10 quid or whatever and then you have the company of others. But I think instead of doing a friend and relationship replacement that you might feel will fall short as a replica, I would go and help a cause. That's what I would do. Absolutely. I think that's really good advice. And very happy Christmas to you. Very happy Christmas to all of you. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to the Hilo this year. It's not quite the end of the year. We have a New Year special for you. With a special guest. We have not missed a week. It will be out on the 28th of December, in between Christmas and New Year, when you're flat on your back, most likely eating quality street rather than shagging, but, you know, each to their own. (laughs) Maybe doing both simultaneously. We're obsessed with shagging in this episode. We have a special special guest joining us. There's a quiz. There's a compilation. We've really tried hard to give you something special. Some festive cheer. Like that nativity play that Dolly wrote. Thank you very much. (laughs) You can email us, thehiloshow at gmail.com or tweet us at thehiloshow. Thank you very much to all of our sponsors. Thank you to everyone who's listened. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. And thanks to our wonderful producer. DJ CJ. Thanks, DJ CJ. Should we hand over to DJ CJ? I think he can take his jerkin off now. No, keep the jerking on. Should we hand over to DJ CJ to send us out with some Christmas tunes? Yeah, let's go. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Last Christmas.